My name is Tamara Cottery, and I'm with an organization called Literacy Link South Central. Today, I'd like to talk to you about literacy in the workplace. Before we get too far into the podcast, let's take a minute to talk about the definition of literacy. You may think or have heard that literacy is only about reading, reading books. But it's about a lot more than that, and the definition is evolving. Today, the word literacy includes writing, communicating, doing math, as well as the ability to use digital devices like computers, cell phones, and tablets. It also includes people skills like problem solving, teamwork, adaptability, and flexibility. I've heard literacy skills referred to as the Velcro to which other skills stick, the foundational skills that people need in order to build more specific and complex skills. So now we've talked about the definition of literacy, how it's changed and will continue to change to reflect the skills that people need and use every day. Let's talk specifically about literacy and the workplace. As long as there have been people, there have been employers who have hired employees only to discover that some of those employees struggle with low levels of foundational skills or literacy. They don't show up on time or possibly at all. They don't follow procedures accurately. They don't seem to learn the ropes quickly. Or in worst case scenarios, they damage equipment or put themselves or other employees at risk because they can't read important safety information. In times of high unemployment, employers can simply let go of those new hires who don't have the skills their resumes suggest they have and hire new employees. But when unemployment rates are low and there aren't multiple candidates for each available job, Employers may find it worth their while to learn about workplace literacy and what it can do to support their workplace productivity. Of course, the reverse is also true. Some employers have excellent employees, employees who work well with others, who hardly ever take sick days, and who have strong work ethics. Employers may want to promote these employees to reward them for their great performance. They might be surprised, though, when these employees don't take advantage of promotions that are offered to them. The fact is that some employees are unable to take promotions because they don't have sufficient levels of literacy to manage the increased paperwork that often accompanies a promotion. Such employees remain stuck in their jobs and unable to advance because of their less than ideal levels of literacy and in spite of their other good working skills. So what's to be done? Getting to know your local adult literacy programs is a great place to start, but not always easy because adult literacy programs are a well-kept secret. If you're an employer, you may be surprised to learn that there are hundreds of adult literacy programs across Ontario, serving about 50,000 Ontarians per year. And in case you're an employer who is skeptical that you have any employees who struggle with literacy, over 35% of adults who participated in an adult literacy program last year already had jobs, but they were going to an adult literacy program because they wanted to keep the job they have, or because they wanted to advance within their company. I remember one time hearing about an employer who boasted to an adult literacy program staff that none of his employees would ever need adult literacy training. Meanwhile, there are half a dozen of his employees who are already in the program. The word literacy has a stigma. When you say the word literacy, most people hear the word illiteracy or illiterate. And that word tends to conjure up other words that are not very flattering. A lot of people who struggle with literacy are actually very bright. Their lack of literacy skills may be a result of learning disabilities that were never diagnosed. They were just pushed through school until they came of age to leave and get a job. Or they moved from school to school a lot when they were kids and never had a chance to get situated. Or they lived in poverty and had other things on their mind like just surviving. It's hard to learn in situations like that. So here's a tip. If you think you might have some employees who need to build their skills, don't use the word literacy. 
talk about skills development or upgrading or preparing for new technology or information related to your work. I was recently at a company that had identified some literacy issues among some of their employees. In meeting with the employees, I wondered how some of them managed to deal with email and written information given their literacy levels. Turned out that these employees used their phones. If they received an email, they would have their phone read the message out to them. If they wanted to send an email, they would say it into their phone and copy the text that would appear into the email they wanted to send. Many people who have lower levels of literacy think outside the box and develop strategies to get by. As an employer, you might want to ask yourself if that's your goal, to have employees get by, or if you want employees who thrive. You might also ask yourself if your job advertisements list the academic credentials that are actually needed to do the work. What I mean by this is that a lot of companies began to ask for a grade 12 or its equivalent, whether the jobs they were hiring for required that level of education or not. When labor is readily available, having an artificially high standard for education achieved can make it easier to weed people out and reduce the number of applicants you have to go through. But when labor is not readily available, having a higher standard for education than is actually required required makes your pile of applicants a lot smaller, maybe even non-existent. I think some employers ask for a grade 12 because the good old grade 12 is universally understood to be a decent standard of education for a lot of jobs. However, in our line of work in adult upgrading, we pay less attention to the level of education that someone has achieved on paper and more attention to the actual level of skills they have. For example, is it most important for the job you're hiring for that someone knows the metric system of measurement, the imperial system of measurement, and the ability to convert from one to another? Or is it more important that they know how to do algebraic equations and that they studied Macbeth at some point in high school? Hiring for the actual skills you need takes a bit more time up front than just demanding that everyone entering your workplace have a grade 12 or its equivalent. Here's something you might find interesting. In 2020-2021, over half of the people who came to adult literacy programs in Ontario already had a grade 12 or better. That statistic surprises a lot of people, and I don't share that stat for shock value because I have anything negative to say about our K-12 educational system in Ontario. It's just a fact. But wait a minute, you might be thinking, sure, there are people attending adult literacy programs who have a grade 12 or more, but I bet they're newcomers who are still developing their English language skills, right? Well, no. People learning English as a second language do make up a small percentage of people attending adult literacy programming, but there's actually a separate system in Ontario designed to teach English as a second language. Most of Ontario's adult literacy programs are working with people who were born and raised in Ontario. Okay, so maybe you're an employer and you're thinking, I guess I could have a few workers whose skills may need some upgrading. How much is that going to cost me? Perhaps a more fitting question is, how much might it cost you if you don't invest in skills upgrading? How much does it cost your company every time someone doesn't work out? I've heard some employers say that it can cost half a year's salary to properly train someone new. If you've never put a dollar value on the cost of hiring someone new in your company, you might want to. You could be surprised at how much less it costs to train your existing employees than it does to potentially replace them. And that's assuming that there's a ready and waiting pool of candidates. Well, how do you decide what the skills needs are within your company? You're not a school, you have a business to run. The answer to that question depends on how big the skills need is. You might wanna work with a local owl upgrading program to have them do an organizational needs assessment so that someone with a background in skills upgrading training, particularly at that foundational level, can work with your HR department 
if you have one, and your management to figure out where skills development can have the best or most significant impact on your company. Working with professionals from the adult upgrading community has other benefits as well. I mentioned earlier in the podcast the stigma that is often attached to adult literacy. The last thing you want to do is alienate your employees or cause panic. You probably don't want to make it look like you're trying to determine people's skill levels so you can let them go and replace them. This is when the conversation needs to turn to developing a corporate culture of training. You may already have one, or you may be wondering what I'm talking about. You may be the leader or owner of a small company and be thinking, hey, we're not Microsoft or Google. I think an important message for employers to take away from this podcast on skills development is that you are in control of how you want to initiate or build the idea of a culture of training within your organization. And there are adult literacy professionals in your community who can help. I have personally spoken to many people about their skills, people who have never worked, people who have been laid off from long-term jobs, and people who are currently working. I know how to talk about skills development or potentially a lack of skills with sensitivity and respect and adult literacy professionals in your community do too. The best way to connect with adult literacy providers in your community is through your regional literacy network. Ontario has 16 regional adult literacy networks that work with all the adult literacy programs in their communities. Every area of Ontario has an adult literacy network, and you can find the one that works in your area by contacting the Learning Networks of Ontario at learningnetworks.ca. If you're a smaller employer and you have a few employees you'd like to support, but you're not sure how, contact your regional literacy network. It might make more sense for your employees to be referred to local or even online upgrading programming that they can pursue on their own time or from the comfort of their own home. If you have more employees who need skills upgrading support, it might make more sense to talk to local adult literacy programs about bringing programming on site. Doing so can make it easier for employees to access training. If they're working a six, eight, 10 or 12 hour shift, they might not want to go halfway across town to an upgrading program for an hour or two. The world of work is changing. The skills needed to be successful at work are changing. Yes, employees still need solid foundational skills, but they also need to develop, fine-tune, and use people skills. Adaptability, problem solving, critical thinking, conflict resolution. These are not the skills of the future. These are the skills successful businesses need now. And adult upgrading programs in your community know how to teach these skills, often referred to as soft skills. The easiest way to contact your local adult upgrading programs is by contacting your regional adult literacy network. Find yours through the Learning Networks of Ontario at learningnetworks.ca. Find out how workplace literacy programming can support your business and your employees.